First Peter chapter 4, verses 12 to 14, reading. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. But rejoice, inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye, for the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. On their part he is evil spoken of, but on your part he is glorified. May God bless the reading of his word. Now let us all turn to God in prayer. Let us pray. Eternal God, our gracious, loving Heavenly Father, we thank you for gathering us safely into thy house at the end of the week. We thank you for seeing us through the week, helping us with our studies, with the duties of life. And Lord, we come now asking once again for your mercies to cleanse us and to wash us thoroughly of all our sins. We pray, O God, that this night you would grant to us understanding of your word, that we may obey it, live by it, and Lord, bring you joy in your heart. We pray again, Lord, that you would feed your children in thy house tonight in every Bible study, Strengthen the saints so that there will be a strong church that will serve you faithfully in the generations to come. So Lord, remove all tiredness of the body and distractions of the mind that we may focus and learn from your word. Lord, open our eyes by the Holy Spirit. In thy word we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, always don't forget that First Peter is written to the Christians that were undergoing severe persecution. And Peter in particular gave them um, names to remind them that there are certain kind of people on earth. All right, maybe I ask here, can you remember, Elisha, they are, Christians are what people on earth? They are? Very good. All right, the reminder in First Peter chapter 2 that we are strangers and pilgrims on this earth. So Christians, as we walk our life on earth, we must remember those names, all right? Maybe put in front of your study desk or a screensaver on your computer. I'm a stranger and pilgrim on earth. Because it reminds us that this world is not our home. It's very easy for the Christian over time to be so engrossed in this world, begin to love this world, and then begin to feel very at home in this world. Then instead of missing heaven, missing Christ, we miss the things of the world, all right? So Christians, please remember the context. We are strangers and pilgrims on earth. Now, and one of the things that these Christians must remember as strangers and pilgrims, you will go through persecutions. You will go through trials, all right? It's expected. You are different, in the, and the world will treat you differently. And the Christian must be prepared for that. So that is what we've been studying. Now, before we go further, who can remember? Actually, you don't have a choice, so I'll go to the next person, right? Can you remember? Now, why is it that the Christian must not think it strange concerning fiery trials? Why? Be very good, because it is a testing. Look at verse 12. Don't think it strange concerning fi the fiery trial, which is to try you. Try means to test you, to test you. So Christian, maybe ask the next person then, Grace, why is it 
that the Christians should not think that it is strange that there will be testing. Why? Why? Can't remember. All right. Are you a student? Do you think it's strange that you have tests in school as you grow up? As a student, you expect tests, right? What are tests for? Very good. Tests are to help you prepare, right? To prepare well. What you learn, you apply, correct? So in tests and examinations, it's to test that what you have learned, you know how to apply it, correct? It's to test you, to make you better, correct? Alright, so always remember. So Christians, look at verse 12, right? Look at verse 12. Now, beloved, beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial. Now, fiery trial is very, very severe, very difficult times, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. No student would think it's very strange that the schools want to test you, want to put you through examinations. Alright, it's part of helping you in your life. So God says the Christian must expect trials because they are to help you. Now, how do we know these trials are to help you? Quickly. All right, Grace. Uh, Gracia. Look at verse 12. Gracia. How do you know these trials are to help you? It is particularly from the word fiery trial. What is fiery trial? Do you remember? It's like that. Very good. The metal smith. They take the, they take the metal and they put it into the oven, right? So fiery trial. Now, what did, why do they do that? Very good. To make it pure. Alright, so this word fiery trial is chosen by Peter to paint this picture in the believer's mind. It's like the metal smith. The metal smith, in order to make the metal purer, useful, will definitely put it through the oven. All right, to remove, to melt, and then to remove the impurities, right? As it melt, they take something, then they scoop out the impurities. All right, so, so we learn here that trials is something that the Christian expects because God uses it for what? Very good, to purify your spiritual life, to make you purer, to make you holier, to make you godlier. All right, so trials are something that the Christian must expect. God the Father wants to make you stronger spiritually all right okay so that was a quick revision now we come to this week's um, focus which is um, look at verse 13 or, or uh, the title is glad and glorious in trials glad and glorious in trials now question number one now what does god say about what we will feel when christ is revealed what, will, what does God say? When one day when Christ is revealed, what will we feel? Simple, right? Very good. Now, um, look at uh, verse 13. Now, say, but rejoice in as much as ye are partakers of Christ's suffering. We studied that last time. That when His glory shall be revealed, means when we see Christ, right? Christ will reveal Himself in His second physical coming. Ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. Now, God says when Christ appears. Now, I hope that you know your sequence, all right? So, there will be the great tribulation that will come. The great tribulation, seven years on earth, great suffering on earth. And then at the end of this, well, at the beginning of this period of tribulation, all Christians will be Veronica. What will happen to all Christians? We will be 
we will be raptured, right? We will be taken to heaven, right? We will disappear. Now, that's why you see increasingly more and more people are talking about UFOs, right? It's all the time now. People believe that UFOs are real. And, they, and, and well, maybe this is my conspiracy theory, right? Satan will use it and say, oh, the, the, um, the aliens took these people away because we will just disappear from this earth if, we're, if we are alive. Many Christians will just disappear. How to explain that? Now, before that, period of seven years of tribulation, Christians will be raptured. Make sure you're part, you're truly a Christian. Then seven years of trials, then Christ's second coming comes, all right? Christ's second coming, He will come. And God says at the end of these seven years, well, the world, they will gather to fight against Christ, all right? How silly, right? The Bible tells us they will gather to fight against Christ, and Christ will come. Now, God says that at this coming, second coming of Christ, the visible coming of Christ, now look at verse 14, uh, sorry, verse 13. God says, Ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. Now, what is this glad and exceeding joy? Now, glad refers to, well, it is similar to verse 13, the first part, but rejoice. You'll be rejoicing, right? At this coming, Christians will be rejoicing. Now, although you suffer persecution now, but you will be rejoicing. Now, not only that, if you look at verse 13, Peter adds another part. He says, also with glad, also with exceeding joy. With exceeding joy. Now, what is this exceeding joy? Now, this exceeding joy describes someone who is so, so filled with gladness, so filled with happiness, with joy, that this person will would be almost like jumping up and down with joy and he cannot contain himself. He'll be singing, all right? He'll be moving. It's just like maybe you, you, you love a toy, all right? Or you love to have a pet and then one day your parents surprise you with a pet and then you'll be jumping up and down with joy, right? And um, some of you may cry, I guess. So this is that kind of, <clears throat> of being overjoyed. So God says now, Christian, when Christ comes, those of you who have gone through trials, those of you who have gone through difficulties, you will be jumping with joy, singing with joy. Now, the question, the second part is this. Now, why? Why will you be overjoyed? Why? So you are a stranger and pilgrim, you go through this life, you find that you often are ridiculed by people for being a Christian, maybe even by Christians themselves. So God says you will be overjoyed at the coming of Christ. Now, why do you think so? Uh, Phoebe. So imagine you go through a very difficult um, living, living as a Christian. You you obey God, and then you and then your friends make fun of you, and and so on. They 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 leave you aside. You lose friends because you're Christian and for your belief. God God says, Phoebe, when Christ is revealed, Phoebe will be glad with exceeding joy, with exceeding gladness. Why do you think so, Phoebe? <laughs> okay, so that I don't have to go through the trials. Okay, um, yes, that's one of the reasons. But remember, when Christ comes, well, Christians would already be raptured, and we will actually come back with Christ also, right? Yeah, so well, yes, one of the reasons you won't be going through trials anymore. But at the coming of, of Christ, maybe I'll draw, right? So remember, this is the church age. This is us now. All right? We don't know when, 
Then the seven years of tribulation will happen and then Christians will be raptured, Christ will come and take us to heaven. Seven years of tribulation and then the second coming. Christ is revealed, all right? The second coming, Christ revealed. Now, Christians, yes, you will, well, you will rejoice because, well, no more suffering. No more suffering. Um, that, is, that is assuming you're alive here, right? Then, but there are Christians who will also return with Christ. Revelation say Christians will come back with Christ. Now, and Christ say there will be, well, no more suffering, yes, one of them. Now, why else do you think you'll be rejoicing? You have suffered, you have suffered greatly during this period. So this is Phoebe, all right? Phoebe, all right? Phoebe suffered, oh, you wear spectacles, all right. Now, Phoebe suffered, all right, greatly as a Christian, mocked by your friends, by pastor now, all right? All right, now, then, then you will come, then when Christ is revealed, Christ saying, Phoebe, you'll be with exceeding joy. Why? Maybe I ask, why do you think so? Say again, you'll be? Be very happy, just very happy. Why do you think you're happy? So happy, God says exceeding joy. Um, maybe because um, God's glory is shown. God's glory is shown, all right? Now, why would, when God's glory being shown, now we would, we would be exceeding, exceedingly glad. Now, think about this. Now, at this point, the whole world, the whole world will have to acknowledge. God says every knee shall bow. Every knee will confess that Christ is Lord, all right? His glory will be seen. When Christ came the first time, He came as a lowly Saviour, alright, bullied by men, suffered and died for us. But when this time when Christ returned, He will return as the, the Lion of Judah. Alright, His glory will be shown. The Bible describes that in Revelation. Now, and remember here, people make fun of you for being a Christian. They will say, uh, what would they say to you? Tanya, you believe in God? Can you see God? Then the whole class laughs at you, right? Right? What else would they say to you, uh, Caleb? God is. There's no such thing as God, right? Now, so now at this time, these ones, they will, if they are dead, well, well, the living ones will fight. Well, then there is this, the judgment throne as well, right? The judgment throne, the glory of Christ will be revealed as well. Now, they will know that God is real. Now, your faith will be vindicated. You know vindicated? Vindicated means you will be proven true. All the time you tell people there is a God, they laugh at you. You tell people only Jesus Christ can save you. They mock at you, right? They use Jesus Christ's name as as a joke. Now, so, well, when His glory is clearly seen, you will you'll be vindicated. Now, this is not revenge. Please know that. This is not revenge. This is not, oh, good. Now, all those that mock me, that laugh at me, they will go to hell. Alright? This is not that kind of vindication. This is not revenge. But people will have to admit, well, you were right. God is real. God is real. But it's too late for them already. Now, then another thing is this. Remember, we say, now what are, what are trials for? What are fire trials for? Now, to test you, correct? So thank you, um, Phoebe, to test you, to test you. Now, this is something that is going to be important for tonight's lesson. Trials are to test you. Now, when you return with Christ or when, you, when Christ is revealed, 
Why else do you think that we will rejoice with great rejoicing if we were faithful to God? Cornelius, if you're faithful to God, means as you go through these trials, you are faithful to God. Now, why do you think you will rejoice when you see Christ? We were faithful for so long. We endured and we were faithful to Him. We did not fail Him, right? You will not be ashamed, right? You passed the test, correct? You did not fail Christ. So another reason why Christians will rejoice greatly, because we pass the test. When we see Christ, we will not be ashamed. But of course, if you did not pass the test, if you did not pass the test, you will be ashamed, correct? Well, you may go to heaven, but you'll be very ashamed. Now, some of you, if you go through examinations and tests, you know when you fail the test, it's very embarrassing. You're told, you were told that I'm going to test you. And then you didn't bother and you fail this, then you feel very ashamed. I'm so foolish. Why was I so foolish? All right. So now here is where the Christian must remember. Christian, do you want to be filled with exceeding joy or do you want to be filled with shame? Now these things, the future is revealed. Look at verse 13. Now when the Christian lives faithfully, this is something that you can look forward to. Look at verse 13. Now, as ye are partakers, but rejoice in as much as ye are partakers of Christ's suffering. Now, if you are someone who partake of Christ's suffering, means you go through it. You, you go through what Christ designed for you. Then when his glory shall be revealed, you may also, also, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. Now, the thing is, the thing is this. Whenever you see trials in your life, whenever you see reproaches in your life, whenever you see tests in your life, you must always tell yourself, now I, this is my chance here. I use another color. This is my chance to pass the test because trials only occur here when you are on earth. Remember that, all right? If you're a believer, only while you're on earth before Christ raptures us. The test is only here. Once you are raptured, there are no more tests. You are perfect in heaven, all right? Now, this is a time where the Christian have to choose. Do I want to be filled with exceeding gladness when I meet Christ? Or do I want to have whatever I want in this world, live like the world, don't want to go through any trials or reproaches for Christ's sake. I want those things, but I will meet Christ having failed the test. The future, whenever the Bible tells us about the future, it's always to make you think about your life now, all right? It's not just like crystal ball for you to be excited about. It's to remind you, this is the time to prove. This is the time to prove your love and faithfulness to Christ. Once Christ is revealed, there's no more chance, all right? For our case, if you're a believer, once Christ comes and rapture you, you may want to say to Christ, Christ, you know, I've been thinking about this for the last few months. I was thinking that, you know, I, I want to begin to live for you and obey you and be a good Christian and pass the test that you give me. You know, I've been thinking about that, Christ. Um, can, can, you, can you let me go back and live my life again for you to prove myself so that I, 
I don't have to face this embarrassment, this shame, this regret that I have. So Christian, this is a time for you to read this verse and say, will I partake in Christ's sufferings? Will I rejoice or will I murmur and complain and reject it? And I live the way I want to live? I want to live like the world. I don't want the world to make fun of me. I want to be like the world. Now Christian, when you read this, then you have to say, this is the opportunity for me to show my love to Christ. It is not just about tests. Maybe I'll ask you this question the next person. All right. Um, Dylan, why do you want to pass the test? Because so that when Christ comes, uh, you feel really, you rejoice and you feel happy and you feel like worth it. Okay, you feel that it's worth it. All right, it's worth it. That's, 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 God says you will feel that. But uh, maybe I'll ask Matthew also. Matthew, wh- why do you want, why, why would you rejoice on that day that you did not fail? It shows your faith, okay. It shows your faith. Okay, last one. Isaac. Why? Why do you want to make sure that you did not fail the test? And then when Christ is revealed, you'll be rejoicing and exceeding glad. You did not shame Christ's name. Alright, very good. Now, why would you not want to shame Christ's name? Because you... Why would you not want to shame daddy's name? Because you're his child. And you? Love him. Very good. See, the moment I bring it to your family, your personal life, because you will prove your love to God. Right? You prove your love to God. Why do you want, or I'll put it this way, why would you rejoice? Why would you be exceeding grateful, uh, uh, joyful? Is it just this? No suffering? Is it just this? No, the Christian must always remember, I will be exceeding joyful because I prove my love to Christ. This is the opportunity for you to prove your love to Christ. Tests are tests of our love. Always remember that, Christians. Test is not about, well, God wants to test you, you pass, you get rewards in heaven, and that's it. Right? God does talk about that, later we'll, we'll consider that. But always remember, maybe I ask Enoch, Enoch, when you want, whenever you want to pass a test that your parents give you, what is it out of? Because I'm going to get the whatever gadget you want. Is it that? No, right? It's because you want to? You want to make them proud of you. You want to make them happy. You want to make them joyful. And when you, are, when you manage to do that, what will you feel? Exceedingly happy, correct? Very happy. So Christian, when as strangers, as, as strangers and pilgrims on earth, when we are living in this phase, look up here, this phase is the only time you'll be tested. That's why God says, whenever you receive a test, rejoice, because it's your chance to show your love to Christ. Yes, why do you want to have faith? I want to have faith because I want to pass the test. Then Christ will be, will be pleased, Christ will be proud of me, right? So, when you read this, particular verse just remember on that day you can't say Christ I've been thinking about this can you just let me go back and live for you no more chance no more chance that's it 
Alright, so I hope that we remember that. Now, the next question is this. Now, what will make you exceeding glad? Alright, maybe you consider it more after us. But what will make you exceeding glad? Maybe be very frank. Alright, you just don't think the moment I point at you, you must say what makes you exceeding glad. Justin. Say again, food. Food. Food, I ready. Oh, how come you're so skinny? Alright. Okay, another one, alright? So you're one of those blessed people, alright? That you can eat a lot and never put on weight. Oh, okay. What will make you exceeding glad? Uh, Jesse? Say again. Pastor not asking you a question. <laughs> Alright, well, we may exceeding happy is I pleased my parents when I did well in school and did not disappoint them, alright? Now, there are many things that make us exceeding glad. But now we must begin to, begin to ask ourselves, does proving my love to Christ by passing all the tests that He allows me to go through and rejoice in it, is that the immediate thing that comes to my mind? Maybe ask the very, the very young one, Elisha, immediately, what will make you exceeding glad? <laughs> Not sure. You have no, no, nothing that makes you exceeding glad. Alright, so Christian, we have to ask ourselves, the, look at verse 13. God says, does, or rather, when ask, we should ask ourselves, when Christ is revealed in His glory, will we be exceeding glad? Or will we be exceeding embarrassed, exceedingly embarrassed? Or we will be exceedingly regretful? It all depends on that shaded area now. Let's move to the next question, alright? Now, give an example of a disciple. Well, maybe I, I, I gave some examples there. What will make you exceedingly? I think some people are possessions. What you possess? Things. Things in life. If I get that new car, if I get that new dress, if I get that new whatever it is, alright, new track shoes, uh, sport shoes, I'll be exceeding glad. Some things, some people are possessions. The moment you think without, without having to, well, think of what should be the right answer, now what is that? Is it possessions? Now, maybe at your age, maybe I ask you, at your, at, as a student in school, what typically makes students exceedingly glad? Well, I think one of it is, actually I'll ask you that, that question later on. We'll come to that later on, right? We'll come to that later. Now we go to question number two. Now, give an example of a disciple who could not rejoice with exceeding joy when Christ resurrected. And why? And give another example of the opposite, alright? A disciple who could not rejoice when Christ resurrected. Alright, so look up here. We know, alright, we know that... Christ came, alright, Christ walked on earth, and then He was crucified, alright, He was crucified, and then Christ res resurrected, alright, Christ resurrected. Now, can you think of one disciple who could not be overjoyed, and probably was quite hesitant to meet the resurrected Christ? Don't talk about the, the revealed Christ, just this part. Alright, who is the next person? Ryan? Uh, I think the writer himself. The writer himself. The writer of this book himself. Peter. Why? 
Because Peter denied Christ three times. Peter had a test. Right? So Peter's time is this period. Right? Peter's time is this period. Peter had a test. And Christ warned him. Christ told him that he will be tested. Was it, was it, a, was it a surprise? No. Right? Christ told him, Satan wants to sift you. Before the cock crowed, you will deny me three times. Now, is it not the same as this? God is telling us, you will be tested. Don't be surprised. Look at verse, verse 13. Oh, sorry, verse 12. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fire trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you. God is saying the same thing to us tonight in this room. There will be tests. Just like you told Peter. Now, Peter denied the Lord three times. He did not take heed to that warning. When Christ resurrected, was Peter overjoyed? Do you read Peter was jumping up and down with joy, like this with exceeding joy, jumping up and down, singing and uh, joyful? You didn't read that. He was often described as in thoughts, deep in thoughts. Then when he heard that, well, the tomb is empty, well, he ran there. He ran there. When he ran there, when he saw the empty tomb, uh, Jesse asked already, uh, Faith, when Peter ran, ran as fast as he could, and he reached there, he saw the empty tomb. What, what, what was his reaction? Jumping out and down with this exceeding joy, jumping up and down and singing and praising and overjoyed, overwhelmed with joy? No. What was his reaction? Uh, yeah, he, he just squatted down there and looked in. He didn't jump up and down. He just looked and then he went back. Right? And then he went back. And after he went back, now, Christ even had to tell the angels. Christ told the angels, please tell Peter that I am a reason. Right? Because God knows, Christ knew that Peter was the one that would need that encouragement. Because Peter denied Christ three times, and Peter would be very, very embarrassed and very, very sad. Christ had to say to him three times, right? Ask him three times, lovers, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? So please know, it is about love. Peter's test was about his love for Christ. Peter wasn't careful about that. Christian, whenever you face a test in school, you're tempted to sin. Or you're going through, well, reproaches, people make fun of you for your Christian faith. It is all about your love for Christ. Christ did not ask him, will you serve me? Will you serve me? Will you serve me? Will you deny me again? Will you deny me again? Will you deny me again? Christ asked him three times, Peter, do you love me? Love is what is going to drive you to always want to pass the test. That's why you can say, whenever I ask you, your parents, you can identify with that. With Christ, somehow we can't identify with that. If we can't identify with, because I love Christ, I want to pass the test. Alright? So Peter was one example. Now look at your Bibles. Who is the one? Who is the one writing this epistle? And reminding them. Verse 14, If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye for the spirit of glory resteth upon you. Who is the one who tell them now? In verse 13, 
Inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's suffering, that when His glory shall be revealed, ye shall be glad also with exceeding joy. Peter remembered how he felt. Peter remembered how he felt when he heard that Christ has been revealed, came out of the tomb. And he doesn't want the Christians to go through what he went through. He doesn't want the Christian to, to well, Christ is resurrected already. The next time we see Christ is his revelation. All right? or we meet him in mid-air, or we meet him in heaven. Peter does not want these Christians who are going through great persecution to have regrets that he had. Peter had a second chance. Look up here. Peter had a second chance, right? So, Christ resurrected. Peter had a second chance. But for us, for us, you keep failing, keep failing. The next time you meet Christ at his revelation, there is no second chance. It's permanent. You're sealed in heaven if you're a believer. Now, Peter doesn't want us to, to go through that. And Peter himself was very strong. He remembered that and he wrote this. You Christians, you want to be people that have passed the test and so joyful when you meet Christ instead of shameful. Now, he's speaking from a person who learned his lesson. And I hope that we learn from him. All right, Christians, so whenever we face tests, remember that. Remember that. Now, what about the other one, all right? The other, uh, maybe I say some more, all right? Now, what was the problem for Peter? He was fearful. There was a test, and he succumbed to fear. He feared a damsel, all right? A young lady, all right? Who would not have the strength to overpower him, who is a fisherman. But he had such fear. Right? His temporal fears, when his, test, when his faith was tested, his, he let his temporal fears overcome him. So Christian, when you face fears in school for being a Christian, do not fail Christ. All right? Love him. Live for him. Now, who's the opposite? Okay, we are not talking about Christ. We know Christ always never failed. But is there an example you can think of? I'll give you a clue from the Old Testament where he saw beyond everything. He saw beyond the suffering and he looked to heaven. He saw beyond the suffering and he looked to heaven. All right, so now I'm coming to this side. Yes, Gillian, who can you think of? He, was, he did not bother about the afflictions, the trials. Paul is an example, okay? Now, yep, so there are many examples, but I choose, let's turn to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. Now, shall we read verses 25 to 27? Hebrews 11, 25 to 27, reading. Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible." Now, let's learn from Moses. Now, look at your Bibles carefully. The Bible tells us that what was in Moses' heart? He chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God. Means he chose to go through the trials. 
He chose to go through the test. He chose to go through the persecutions. He chose. Christian, it is a choice. When you're going through um, tests of your faith, as a student in school, for example, or a working person, now remember, it is a choice. You have to choose. Your choice will affect how you feel when you meet Christ. Now then it says, rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. So the choice is always between two things. Either choose to suffer or choose to enjoy sin on earth. And you must remember that. Whenever you face that test, it's either to enjoy well, um, sin or continue to suffer. Now, then he says, he explained now why was Moses like that? Esteeming the reproach of Christ means he looked at the reproach of Christ. Means for being reproached, for being a, uh, a follower of, of God, of Jehovah. He was reproached. But he said he, he, he measures that as greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. The treasures on, in Egypt at that time was great treasures, alright? They're known to be like the richest um, nation and they have a lot of um, 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 resources and gold, silver and all sorts of um, precious stones. So they are known for that. But he says, you know, to suffer for Christ, I consider that even better than all the riches of Egypt given to me. Then verse 27, by faith he forsook Egypt. Now again it says not fearing. You see, it is always about fear, Christian. Strangers and pilgrims will always face this problem of fear. Will you fear your friends mocking you, making fun of you? Will you fear that if you obey God, you are going to suffer losses? It's always this fear. Now then he says, for he endured, seeing him who is invisible. Again, seeing him who is invisible. Moses did not see Christ face to face, right? But Moses' eyes, at the time, he, he, he always saw the invisible Christ. Now, Christian, how can we pass tests? How can we pass the test? When you, when you are reproached for your faith, when you are being tempted, when you are being pushed, all right, for being a Christian, for, being, for believing in your beliefs, when you want to live for Christ, you obey Christ, and then things become very difficult in school, or even at home for you. The thing that you always must do is your eyes must be always fixed on Christ. Always fixed on this Christ and always fixed on this thought. I will meet Christ one day. And on that day, I want to be able to look back with exceeding joy that I did not deny Him. That I did not choose to sin. I did not choose, did not choose the things of the world over Him. On that day, I want to look back and have exceeding joy. Unless you keep looking towards that day at the appearing of Christ, the appearing of Christ, you will only look at the appearing of the bully in school, the appearing of whatever it is. You will just keep thinking of when that thing appears, when that thing appears. Fear or a lust for it. Now instead, keep looking at Christ the revelation of the invisible Christ one day, alright? So here Peter says the same thing. Now Christian, he in verse, alright, let's turn back to 1 Peter please, 1 Peter. 1 Peter. Now strangers and pilgrims will go through reproaches. Now then look at verse 13. 
So Peter learned his lesson. Now he now turned us, all of us, to keep thinking about when his glory shall be revealed. When his glory shall be revealed. When his glory shall be revealed. Just keep thinking of that. When his glory shall be revealed, you will see the glorious, the glories of Christ and you will see the, the glories of this world as nothing. The glories of this world, the, the gold, the glitter, the pleasures, the things that today you see, they are actually very, very wonderful. But once the Christian keeps thinking about the glory of Christ, you will learn to be like Moses. You will esteem all Christ is far greater than everything that you see as so glittering and exciting to you on earth. What is so exciting to you on earth today? That you would rather choose that than Christ. That you would rather have that than to have a, a personal walk with Christ, a time of prayer, a time of studying the Word, coming to church, serving Him. Now, what is that thing that is so attractive to you? That is the thing that is going to make you fail the test. Right? Remember that. It can be a relationship. All right. Now, next week, we are going to cover about boy-girl relationships. And I hope that you pay attention at that time, right? What is it that is in your heart that is, that is more wonderful than Christ, that you would disobey Christ? Okay, good. So, I'm glad that you noticed Peter was the one. Peter learned this. And Peter said, learn from my lesson. Question number three. Now, now we come to verse 14. Verse 14 says, If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye. Now, say, now what does being reproached for the name of Christ mean? <laughs> right? So what does it mean? Do you know what it means? Wait, we are here, right? Alright, next. Uh, Janelle, what does it mean being reproached for the name of Christ? In your mind. Very good. Being mocked at for the name of Christ. Alright, the word reproach means, yes, it could mean being mocked at, being made fun of, um, being insulted, um, being um, shamed, right? Being reviled, right? Complain against you. So these are ideas. So when you think I'm a student in school, I'm a Christian in school, or some of you at work, then you say, well, being reproached for Christ means people will insult me for being a Christian. People will make fun of me. People will mock me. People will make me feel ashamed. People may even complain against me. This is the meaning of reproach, all right? Reproach. Now, what is the name of Christ? What does it mean, reproach for the name of Christ? Kathleen, you want to try? Wait, Kathleen, are, are you a believer? Oh, all right, good. So, all right, so try. If not, I'll skip you. <laughs> Kathleen, yes. Reproach for the name of Christ. What does it mean, name of Christ? For God, right? God is, my God is Christ. Alright, my God is Christ. And just because my God is Christ, I will be mocked. The name of Christ. Now, name of Christ in the Bible often refers to a few things. Now, well, at least in this context, you know, for being a Christian. Are you a Christian? I just asked you, you say, I'm a Christian, correct? Now, you realize that you took name, the name of Christ on you. I'm Christian, alright? It's just like, which, which country are you from? Malaysia. Yeah, Malaysian, right? So you belong to Malaysia, you're a citizen of Malaysia. So you belong to Malaysia, so to speak. So a Christian, the name of Christ. You take on the name of Christ, so you're a Christian, you belong to Christ. 
Just because you belong to Christ, you're a Christian, they will mock you. Now, what else um, does the Bible remind us? Now, can you, does it mean simply because you are a Christian? Maybe I'll ask Hazel next. Hazel, does it mean that every Christian will suffer reproach? Just because you say, I'm a Christian? No. Why? Only those that live righteously, only those that live according to God's Word. Alright? Now, please turn with me to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 19. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 19. Right, 2 Timothy chapter 2. Now let's read verse 19 together. Nevertheless, oh, I'll, let, I'll let you turn there. 2 Timothy, right? If you're there, chapter 2, verse 19, reading. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure. Having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his. And let every one that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Now here God tells us, the Lord knoweth them that are His. You belong to Christ. That's why you're a Christian. Then but God reminds Christians. Now He says, let everyone that nameth the name of Christ. Means everyone that say, I am a Christian, depart from iniquity. So God says, now if you call yourself a Christian, then you must leave sin behind. You must not go after sin. You must not, well, embrace sin. When you have to choose between obeying Christ and sin, you must depart from sin, go away from sin and go towards Christ. That's a Christian. Christian means follower of Christ, all right? A follower of Christ. Now, depart from iniquity obviously means to obey God's commandment. How does a Christian depart from iniquity? How does a Christian avoid sin? Iniquity means sin. How does a Christian avoid sin? By knowing God's word and obeying God's word. So here, just because you say you're a Christian doesn't mean you will suffer reproach. But when you live for Christ, you will suffer reproach. Christian, the reminder here is, now, you must know that you belong to Christ. Strangers and pilgrims belong to another nation. Alright? Belong to the, the kingdom of Christ. Christian. You belong to Christ, you take on His name, and therefore, depart from iniquity. Depart from iniquity. Live obediently to Christ. Alright? So, when you say the name of Christ, that is what, must, that is what you must remember. That is what you must remember. Now, when people look at you and they say you're a Christian, right? they say you're a Christian, do they see that you are like a follower of Christ? All right? Maybe I'll ask next person, Natasha. All right? So, a Christian. Now, do you think every Christian in this world who said they're Christian look like, speaks like, behaves like a follower of Christ? Not all, sorry, right? Not necessarily. Not necessarily. Now, but the Christian must remember, I, I will be reproached for the name of Christ. I have to ask myself. Maybe I'll ask you now, the second part. Um, the, this, the last part of the question, no, I didn't ask you. Yeah. Now, what might be some reasons I hardly face reproach? What are some reasons, potentially, I hardly face reproach? All right, then the next person. But uh, one of them 
you are not uh, like you have uh, you have like kept sinning. So like uh, Satan like didn't think like. Okay, so so to you, so to some, they just keep they just keep obeying Satan, right? So I said, I'm a Christian, but I keep obeying Satan. Satan said, love the world, I love the world. Satan said, last after these things, I last after these things. Have pride of life, I pride. So I keep following, I'm a follower of Satan, okay? And because of that, Satan leaves you alone. <laughs> okay, yes, that's a, that's a reason. Now, it could be that. Now, if you, if you don't fight against Satan, he leaves you alone, right? There are some other reasons why a Christian... A Christian should ask themselves, you know, do I face any reproach? Now, but let me clarify. I'm not saying please go out there and make sure you make people hate you, dislike you, and make fun of you, right? I'm not saying that at all. But if you all, you do not face any reproach at all um, among your friends, your, your school, or at work. Now, what could be some of the reasons? Well, the reason is definitely you have not taken on the name of Christ, correct? You have not departed from iniquity. What are some other things uh, included in here? Jemima. Living like the world. Living like the world. Now, please look at chapter 4. Look at chapter 4. Now, verse 4. Remember verse 3. Now, oh, sorry, verse 2, right? Verse 2. Now, when you are saved, we should no longer live the rest of the time in the flesh to the lust of man, but the will of God. Now, God says when you become a Christian, when you take on the name of Christ, we must not live according to the lust, and, but, but live according to the will of God. Now then in verse 3, said, Now this is how you live in the past. Alright? Drinking, partying, um, having idols in your life. Then verse 4, Now wherein they think it strange that you run not with them to the same excess of riot, speaking evil of you. They reproach you. Why? Because you don't live like the world anymore. So Christian, when you take on the name of Christ, right, expect to face reproaches. But when you find that you have no reproaches, nothing at all, well, maybe you live with very godly Christians in school, maybe that's the reason. But when you, when you don't face any, you have to ask yourself, God, am I living like the world? That I run with them, I party with them, I act like them, I love the things they love. I'm so part of them. That's why... Even if I say I'm a Christian, no one makes fun of me. We have to ask ourselves that question. All right? Now, come back to the, first, the earlier part of question number three. Now, um, now who, can, who can... Well, another reason I think you won't suffer for suffer reproaches is when you keep your faith quiet. When you keep your faith quiet, you're ashamed of Christ. You know what? Keep your faith quiet. You don't tell people you're a Christian. You don't evangelize. Because once you evangelize, people know you're a Christian. You don't talk about God with your friends. You avoid the topic. All right? You may not live terribly like them, but as long as you don't tell them you're a Christian, generally they'll leave you alone. Now, back to this. Now, who can these reproaches come from? Nikki. And Nicole, <laughs> Nicole, you got a nickname, right? Nicole, um, who, who can these reproaches come from? Uh, families. families, really? Like why? Okay. I see. 
questions I started coming here, they don't really agree with like coming to church Friday nights, Tuesday nights, Sunday is just okay, but fellowshipping during the week is not it's too much. All right. Yep. So an example is it can come from family members. They say, well, Christians just go to church on Sundays. Why, why do you spend time other times in church? Right? Why do you go to study gospel? Why do you meet other Christians? Just Sunday is enough. And then they can keep, keep complaining against you, um, keep speaking against what you do, and on and on and on. Right? Yep. So when you live according to how Christ wants you to live, means you, the name of Christ. Now you will begin to... Um, be exposed to this kind of things. Alright, now who else? Friends. Say again? Friends. Friends. Example? Maybe you want all your friends want to go for drinking, but then Christian you want more to drink. And, and as a result, they might exploit or keep you out there. Alright, so, well, they want to go drinking, they want to go partying. As a Christian said, I do not want to go to those things anymore, as you've read in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 3. And then they will begin to ostracize you, ridicule you, make fun of you. Oh, see, the, the Jesus boy is here. Right? They say those kind of things. Oh, I've, I've known of Christians who go through that. When you become a Christian in school, oh, look, look, the Jesus boy is here. And they, will, and they will even make fun and say, oh, let, uh, let's not talk about this thing because the Jesus boy is not happy. Right? They ridicule you. Um, now, what else? Who else? Last one. Um, um, Josiah. Strangers. Strangers. Right? People that you share the gospel with. Right? They throw the track back in your face. Right? They mock you, they call their friends together around and they make fun of you. You know, this guy is telling us about God, things that we don't see, and he believes. He believes that these men died for three days and killed, right? That kind of thing. So now, these kind of things can happen to you. But God says, now, happy are ye. All right? But we go further, all right? Now, we continue first. Now, um, what, what can, question number three, question number three still, huh? Question number, now, what can result? Now, what can result? You can be result, some of the results are, well, bearing the reproach of Christ, some of the results are, you'll be, you'll be ostracized, you'll be marked. Oh, here is Dylan. Dylan became a Christian. Alright, that is the one that we don't play with, that we don't play football with anymore, for example. They will mark you. Those are the consequences of being a Christian, taking on the name of Christ. Now, do you think, now what about being missed out on opportunities? miss out on opportunities. Well, they are going out with friends, they will keep you out. Now, sometimes when, just because you're a Christian, people will say, if you're a Christian, then I think you should not, you should not do this and that in school. You, you, they, they won't appoint you for certain roles in school, or maybe at the workplace. Or uh, this person is a Christian. Now, I've known of Christians who, because they take on the name of Christ, all right, they make known in, in the workplace, they are Christians, they share the gospel, they live like a Christian, they avoid things that Christians shouldn't do. Now, sometimes in the heart of the people, they say, then, you know, this Christian doesn't smoke, doesn't drink, doesn't gamble, doesn't go to nightclubs. I think he's not suitable for, 
um, a sales job to take care of the sales department because he will he will um, not to he will not go and do all these things with the customer right now there can be losses now these are losses that we face in our time in those days they because for, for being a Christian like I said many times their properties get taken from them all right their families get taken from them right their health their body parts get taken away from them they chop off parts of their body right so look at verse uh, look at first peter again let's go back to first peter right so when we say um verse 14 if ye be reproached for the name of christ now the reproach for the name of christ means these things and it can mean that there are consequences consequences can result Now, do you get some of this in school? Let me ask, maybe, maybe I ask the universities. Any, any um, difficulties in being a student, taking on work as a Christian? Oh, oh in, in university, the pressure is not so high. Okay, then high school. Oh, so she tossed the ball over this side. All right, so high school. Do you feel that for being a Christian is difficult? I know some of you are in Christian school. Doesn't mean it's easy. Anyone? No. Maybe there is, but you're too embarrassed to say. Well, but God says we will face some of this one day, all right? We will face some of this. I'm sure some of your friends, they, they are not so keen on you being in their groups because you're a Christian, right? They want to watch certain movies, they want to listen to certain songs, and then you feel that uh, you don't want to be part of that, then slowly but surely they say, uh, you're boring. You know, when we talk about these things, you, you have nothing to say. You don't know about them. You're so square, right? You're so um, backward, and then they leave you alone. Okay, now let's move to question number four. Question number four. Now, now, what must you consider yourself to be when you are reproached for the name of Christ? Question number four. Now, what must you consider yourself to be when you are reproached for the name of Christ? What do you, what do you think the answer is? I shall consider myself to be very sad. I shall consider myself to be very unlucky. I shall consider myself to be... Ah, uh, very pitiful. Wait, start here. Elisha, what should you consider yourself to be from the Bible? If you are reproached for the name of Christ. Okay, I'll try next person. Abigail? You must consider yourself to, you must rejoice. Okay, but you must consider yourself to be something. Pitiful? Grace. Always look at the Bible, Grace. What should you consider yourself to be? Alright, next, Grace here. Happy. Happy. How do you know that? Look at verse 14. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ. Alright, maybe. Alright, the three of you. From Grace to Elisha. Alright, read verse 14. One, two, read. If, read together. If... Spirit of glory and power rested upon you, so the 
All right, very good, right? It's very, very straightforward, right? When you read it, you say, ah, oh, yes, it's so straightforward. Here it says, if you repro be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye. Normally, we will feel sad. We will feel depressed. We will feel pitiful, all right? We will feel um, 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 left alone. We feel all those negative feelings. But here, God tells the Christian, when you go through those things, happy are ye, you are blessed. You are blessed. Happy. Now, this word, happy. What is this word, happy? You know, we've been learning, um, blessed is the man. Blessed is the man. Now, this is the same word. This word, happy, is also the word, blessed. 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 Now, God says, when you go through these things for your faith, you are blessed. Can you imagine? You go to school, you go to work, and you face these things. God says, oh, you are blessed. Now, what is the meaning of blessed? Ah, this is the prayer meeting revision. What's the meaning of blessed? Do you remember? Do you follow the prayer meeting um, sermons? No. All right. So we have to ask the next. But do you know what's blessed? Um, you're useful to God. You're useful to God. Very good. Now, one of the meaning of blessedness is that the actual meaning is also that God will use you. That's why you are blessed. Now, okay. Let's see if uh, uh, Jennifer remember. Blessed is the man. Every week, so blessed. I define blessed before. What is it? Some of the thoughts. Content? Mm, not really. Well, it will lead to contentment. Uh, now, okay, quickly. Now, blessed, blessed means God has favor towards you. You must know the meaning, all right? Because this, this word is often used in the Bible. Happy are ye. What does it mean? One of the meaning included is God favors you. Right? That is why you're called, called very blessed, someone who God favors. You're very blessed. Now, God's thoughts towards you, all right? God's thoughts towards you are, He's pleased with you. So God looks at you, I'm pleased with you. All right? I have favorable thoughts towards you. Then, of course, just now we mentioned, now it includes God wants to use you. God wants to use you. Now, not only that, so these are God's thoughts towards you. A blessed man has God's favor, has God's pleasure, has God's desire to use you. Those are God's thoughts towards you. Then the blessedness also refers to now. Um, God will be gracious in His response towards you. God will provide for you. God will protect you. God will hear your prayers. He will do things for you. So a blessed man is not only God's favorable thoughts towards you. A blessed man is God will do certain things for you. Provide, protect answer your prayers. Alright, so now that is the meaning of blessed in the Bible. So God says, now when the Christian, you, when you go through reproach, when you feel like you want to f feel sorry for yourself, you, you want, you're feeling sad and all that, now God says, no, no, hang on, hang on, Christian. When you go through reproaches, number one, I designed it, remember? There are tests, correct? There are tests. So whenever we know it's tests, we rejoice. Now, the second thing is also that God actually favors me. Can you imagine that? Alright, so your daddy and mommy say, I'm going to put you through sufferings because I favor you. <laughs> right? Between the two siblings. Alright, you. You go and do 100 push-ups. Okay, you go sleep. And they tell the, the other child who do 100 push-ups, I favor you. How are you be feeling? Really? Right? Now, so God says, when you go through reproach, I have favorable thoughts 
towards you. Now, is it true? Can the Christian feel that way? Now, let's go to question number five, alright? Quickly, question number five. Hang on. Alright, so can you think of some situations where people feel that they are blessed? Now, what is it that people typically feel they are blessed? Uh, where did I stop? Alright, next person, Veronica. When you think of your friends or when you just, whatever comes to your thought, you say, wow, I'm so blessed. When would you feel, or when do typically feel, I'm so blessed? What kind of things, what kind of situations? They feel like they, get, they got what they wanted, is it? I got what I wanted. So if you're, I'm so blessed. Usually it's like that, right? All right? Your birthday and then you get the gift that you wanted. They say, oh, I'm so blessed to have parents like that. I get what I want. Right? Blessed. Now, yeah, people typically think of that. Now, Phoebe, what else? What, what would your friends or you Ah, oh, I'm so blessed. When I have? When I have what I need. Okay, all right. Well, it could be, well, some people say, wow, I have money. I'm so blessed, right? I, well, some children, be, I'm so blessed. No one tells me what to do at home, right? Or some people feel, well, I'm so blessed. My school results are very good. Right? So we usually re- relate blessedness to this kind of, well, physical benefits that we want and we got them. Now, that's how typically people feel um, when talk about when they feel blessed. Now, but what does God say about the situation when we are blessed? Well, God says, I'm blessed when I'm reproached for Christ's name. God says, I'm blessed when I'm reproached for Christ's name. Now, when the apostle was persecuted, all right, when the apostle was persecuted, they went away singing. And they actually said, they counted it a privilege to be able to suffer for Christ's name. They saw it as a privilege. They saw it as they were counted worthy. They said, we were counted worthy. Now, Christian, when we suffer reproach for Christ's name, you must be like the apostle who really, really believe, I am blessed. God is so favorable towards me that God count me worthy to put me through this reproach. And for them, they were beaten, right? They were beaten. But yet, after being beaten, their back all injured, they were told to go away. They went away, what? Complaining, murmuring, scolding the people that beat them. No, they, they said, oh, God, God bless us. We are favored. We were counted worthy. So Christian, not everyone is counted worthy to bear reproach for Christ's name. Please remember that. Not everyone is counted worthy. If God feels that you are worthy, now don't fail God. Right? Don't fail God. When you're going through a test, when you're going through temptation um, to deny Christ, to, well, deny certain doctrines that you believe in, just to, just to be part of the crowd, just to remove the, the, the trouble in your life, well, then you, then you fail Christ, right? You shame Christ. All right, now, let's carry on. Now, but what does the Bible say about this situation? Now, 
now the question in the last part of question number five. Now, why, why is it considered blessed? Why is it considered blessed? Now look at the verse. Look at the verse, verse 14. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye. Now, so just now, the three of you read, right? Why? For the spirit of glory of God resteth upon you. That's the first one. The why are we blessed? We are blessed because the spirit of God, uh, the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. Maybe we look up here. Huh? Christian, when, when we suffer for Christ, for being a Christian, for living like a Christian, right? for living like a Christian, for living out your faith, for believing certain things in the Bible that they don't believe in, or even other Christians, right? Today say, ah, oh, these things in the Bible, they are not correct, all right? They believe in something else. Maybe they believe in evolution, right? Christians today believe in evolution when the Bible is very clear, it's creation, or whatever it is, all right? Certain doctrines, biblical separation, whatever, all right? So, and then you obey God, or God says now, don't love the world. Don't be part of these parties and drinking and all that. We read that just now. Don't be part of this anymore. And they say, Lord, I, I, then I will not be part of it. Now, then they begin to reproach you. They begin to reproach you. Now, whenever you feel sad, God says, please stop feeling like that. Please stop thinking like that. You are blessed. I favor you. I have good thoughts towards you. All right? And they say, the spirit of God, the spirit of glory, the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you, comes upon you. That is how God sees you when you're going through that and you faithfully obey Him, depart from sin, live according to the doctrines, defend the doctrines. God says, when God looks at you, God says, my spirit of glory and my spirit rests upon you. Can you imagine that? Who wants, who wants to have the Spirit of God actually rests upon you. Miss God will be, God promised that He will strengthen you, He'll be close to you, He will use you. Now, so when I say this, the Spirit of God comes down and rests upon you. Can you think of a scene in the Bible? Who's next, sir? Uh, who's next? Is it Phoebe? No, Anna. Right. Can you think of a scene in the Bible that is like that? No? Alright, what about Tanya? Where the Spirit of God descend. Caleb? Cornelius? Very good. When Christ was baptized, when Christ was baptized, the Bible tells us they heard the voice of the Father, they saw the Spirit as a dove descend upon Christ. Right? Now, what did the father say at that time? Uh, Dylan, do you remember what the father said? No. Okay. Matthew, this is my beloved, in whom I am well pleased. Right? Now, God is very pleased. So, God says, my spirit, so we will, go, we will experience what Christ experienced, where, where God knows my son He's very pleased with his son because his son will do his will. He will even go to the cross and die. And God says, my spirit rests upon him. All right? And they physically saw that. Now, well, no, we are not going to physically see, that, see this and all that. But the promise of God, the spirit, 
strengthening, drawing close to you, being with you, to use you, to enable you, to make you the Christian that you want to be, well, that is the most wonderful thing, the most blessed thing. So do you understand when you go through reproaches and you obey God and you depart from sin? Well, this is exactly what happens in your life. So that is one of the reasons why you are blessed. All right? So people may descend upon you. People may spit at you. People may laugh at you. They, they, they rain mockery at you. When you're going through all that, you just remember, God rains His power upon you. Right? So don't you want that? Now, then another reason, look at, look at verse 13. Um, now, verse 14, sorry. Verse 14. And, on their, um, and the Spirit of glory and of God resteth among you. Now, there is a Spirit of glory. A Spirit of glory. Alright? Which we will learn next week. But God says there is a Spirit of glory that comes upon you. It means God is glorified. When you go through reproach and you obey the Lord and you depart from sin, now God says a certain glory descends upon you, the glory of God. All right? And God is glorified as well. Okay, so, well, um, we will study that the next time we come back. But hold that thought and next week we will learn more about when, when you are under reproach, how, how does God get glorified? They are making fun of God, right? But God says... Okay, so maybe you go back and think about this. Huh? Look up here. Next week, I'll ask you this question. When people mock and make fun of you and say there's no such thing as God, and then they use Jesus Christ's name in vain. But God says God is glorified. How can it be? How can it be? Alright, so next week we'll come back and we go through that. Because some Christians feel that, well, if people make fun of me, God is not glorified, right? Maybe I should compromise. How should we think? Now let us turn to God in prayer.